Psalm 37 is one of those psalms that I probably have preached through several times, and I know I have. And today, I'm not sure I'm even worthy to the task because of so much that I felt that God was leading me into looking at that it was very important to look at Psalm 37. My problem was, is which part of Psalm 37? Because it's so rich. And I mean, it has so many wonderful things. So let's turn to Psalm 27. I'll just start with the first verse. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. And I'm going to read more in just a little while. But may God bless the reading of his word into our hearts today. So Psalm 37. It is a psalm that I'd like to title, Why Meekness Works. Why Meekness Works. Now, erased from most dictionaries today is the proper meaning of meek and what meek really stands for. When I say erased from dictionaries, not necessarily regular dictionaries, but erased from the education process in school. Because as we continue to, and I use quotation marks here, evolve in our education and and what we're doing in education, we continue to remove words from the English language and we keep on adding slang terms to everything so that instead of interpreting the world in biblical terms, we are actually perverting the word of God in worldly ideas. And that's what's going on today. There is no doubt that wicked people are practicing wickedness. It is hurting us. It's hurting our world. 
And if you don't know what that word meek really means, and if you don't live a life of a meek person, you miss out on so much. Jesus even affirmed this when he talked about the fruit of the Spirit, known as being meek. It's very important to be meek. And and so meekness is the true victory over hostility. It's the true victory over the violence that we see. It It is a victory that is promised by Almighty God. And so I don't want you to ever think of meekness as weakness because some people think of a person as meek as somebody who just goes along and and passively lets everything happen. That's not true. I can tell you for sure that David was not a pacifist, okay? He was a warrior. He fought and people died at his hand. He was a fighter. And if he thought that people were being attacked, He would defend those who were defenseless, and he was a fearless fighter, but he was also a meek man. So what is meekness? Well, meekness is basically strength under God's control. So it's strength that you have, but you're under God's control. When you have the ability to retaliate, you don't always have to. You can leave it up to the Lord and do as God would have you to do. Uh, It's the opposite of what the world wants for itself. The world reacts and behaves in a manner that is irrational and filled with hatred and rage. So in the scripture, we learn in the very first verse, do not fret because of evildoers. And, and, And this is a sin I have to confess almost every time I read the news. I mean, seriously, I fret all the time. Do you have that, that, that weakness in your life? I sometimes fret, and I see these people and what they do, and I wonder, why are you living like that? Why do you have such bitter attitudes toward life? Why is your approach to, this, to the world and to God so hopeless? And, and I can answer that question. I know why, but it hurts me nonetheless that I have to ask it. People today are literally benefiting off of evil. People who are very wealthy are conspiring together to uh, keep and suppress those people who are trying to do right. This is a reality in our day. And I say, Lord, why can't we have more Christian billionaires? Why can't we have more Christians who have lots of money? Why is it that it seems like the, the, the vast majority of these big companies are run by people who don't have your interests at heart? And the Lord always has to remind me, <laughs> Keith, I own everything. <laughs> you don't need these people. You don't need them. You need to trust the Lord. And, he, and secondly, don't fret because... So-and-so is lined up against your candidate. Don't fret because so-and-so is promoting this unrighteous filth. No, don't fret because of them. Don't fret. And he says it multiple times here in the scriptures. So that's a command. I think God's trying to tell me something. He's telling us, do not worry. Don't get upset. Don't get depressed when these negative things are happening. And I, I can easily get upset. It hurts me that in this country that God has literally provided for, this country that has been saved from 
numerous disasters and numerous problems that in this nation, we have people today that think we are the worst people who were ever born. How silly is that? But God said, don't fret. And, and now I have to ask, well, why? why? Why do I not have to fret? These people seem to have all the advantage. They have everything going their way. It seems like they all cheat and lie and steal and do whatever. And I wonder why are we allowing this to happen? And yet the Lord says, don't fret. <laughs> and uh, so he says the first reason why you don't need to fret is that is the rapidity by which they will be destroyed because they will quickly be destroyed. It speaks about the destruction of the wicked throughout this chapter. And if you don't think so, it's in verse number two, verse number nine, verse number 10, verse number 15, verse number 20, verse 22, verse 28, verse 34, 36, and twice in verse 38. I mean, that's, that's emphasis. <laughs> God says they're not getting by with anything. They are not getting by with it. I think that in our country and in our world in which we have been given by God the, 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 the privilege of living, it doesn't mean that things are going to be smooth just because we do have these privileges in life. It is not easy, but it's far better to live rightly than to go the path of the evil doers. Why? Because they don't, they're not long for this world. They, time will come when they are no more. I was watching uh, an old Western last night on my newly fixed TV. <laughs> when they didn't cuss, they didn't have any, any indecent things. These people were young. It was a 1957 movie. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at that and I was uh, wondering about how things have changed in, in this world, how, how our expectations have changed and, and, and all that. But in, in our world, we need to be raising people in the right way. I heard the story of one uh, man who was known to be a very good man. And he, he went to church, he was uh, very successful, and he, he was asked by an older woman who thought he was just the sweetest young man. He was a young man, but he was still a godly, successful young man. And the woman said, uh, son, uh, why are you such a good young man? And he said, well, ma'am, I, I, I when I was young, I had a drug problem. And she, she said, I find that hard to believe. He said, no, it's true. Because when I was young, my mama drugged me out of that bed <laughs> She put me on that bus. I went to school, and then she drug me out of the bed and got me into Sunday school and drug me to church every time the door was open. We need more drug problems like that today. We got too many parents who want to be the buddy to their children and not their parents. You cannot be their buddy. You're their parent. I learned that as a, as a teacher. I'm their teacher. I'm not their buddy because uh, they'll run right over you every time. I promise you. Kids, kids know how to manipulate. If you haven't figured that out, just have grandchildren. And I'm not even a grandparent, but I know that. They are manipulators. So God wants us to know the destruction of the wicked. So don't, why should you feel sorry? I mean, why should you want to envy a path? 
that's going to be to destruction. I, I, I want you to read further about some of the things that's going to go on here in verse number, uh, well, let me make sure I got it right here. In verse number 12, the wicked plots against the just. Sounds like today. There's lots of conspiracies, plots. If you think that the massive uprisings going on in our cities is the result or are the result of accident, you really got your head in the sand because they are plotting. They are plotting to create chaos. There's no question about it. And gnashes at him with his teeth. Now, that's what these protesters do. They're gnashing at people with their teeth. I have seen video after video of Christians standing up and standing for America or standing up for a godly cause. And these people will violently attack these poor people trying to do what's right. They gnash at them with their teeth. But here's the part that gave me encouragement is verse 13. The Lord laughs at him. <laughs> I mean, really, you cannot... Uh, put somebody down more than to laugh at them. And the Lord laughs at these people. They think that they're all powerful. They think they've got all these things going for them. And the Lord just sitting there laughing at them. And why is the Lord laughing at them? For he sees that his day is coming. And it really is. The Lord will take vengeance upon wrongdoing. He does it. And he says, the wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow. In other words, pulled it back to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Literally, people are being shot in our streets for political reasons. Today, it's happening. And it's because the news media is part of the problem because they keep expanding this problem more and more. And in David's day, there were people who resisted David's leadership. They didn't want David. They wouldn't have anything to do with him. And I'll tell you why. Because David was God's man. And because David was God's man, they were not God's men. They didn't like David. They rejected David. So David had these problems. There were people who were just waiting for David to do something wrong. Furthermore, it says, their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. This is, this is what's going to happen to those who plot violence, who are trying to take into their own hands the lives of innocent people, God says it will return upon you. When we heard the news that the Supreme Court justice died on Friday night, I, I had said weeks or months ago that God convicted me not to pray for the death of these people. Instead, God convicted me uh, to pray for this woman who died, but pray for her health and pray for her salvation, that she would come to know Jesus. Maybe she did, I don't know. But I pray for her because it's in God's hands. When she died, I didn't rejoice because if she didn't know Jesus, she went to hell. And that's not a thing that you want to envy and you don't want to be happy about. It's very sad and sobering. But at the same time, I watched videos of people who believed in her politics and, and what she stood for. And when they got the news, they're literally screaming like they've lost everything, like the world is going to end. They screaming, cussing, saying awful language, gnashing their teeth. 
and all of your life, I don't care how long you live, it's over before you realize it. Life is short. It's short. It's temporary. And even for the wicked, and in fact, in some cases, it comes quicker than you want it to happen. You can't plan it out the way you always want it. Now, the scripture also says in verse 16, a little, that, as a remedy to this, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Think about that for a moment. We, that's not the way an assessor would come to your house and assess your property. You know, they don't assess your property based upon are you a good man or you a bad man or a good woman or a bad woman. But God does. <laughs> he says, okay, well, you don't have that much. Your property's worth not that much. Uh, but you are a righteous person. That, that outweighs everything else. See, it's better to have a little and be right than it is to have much and to be wrong. Don't envy them. Again, I'm preaching to myself today, folks. It's hard because we often are so visually stimulated by what we see and the headlines that are always intended to stir us up and to scare us and get us to be afraid. I'm telling you, I felt, I felt like this before and I feel like this now that these people don't know who they're up against who are standing against God and truth. And I, I actually feel sorry for them a little bit because they're not going to win. God is going to win. You cannot dethrone God. You cannot defeat him. And if he is for you, who can be against you? The scripture is so true. So do not, do not envy the wicked. Now he says here in verse 18, or actually in verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Now that's a promise that we're gonna look at in a minute. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. Now that's repeated throughout this Psalm. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. So when everything else and everybody's going without, Godly people will make it. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. Uh, if you've ever taken a picture of a beautiful mountain scene, the meadows and the flowers, it's temporary. It doesn't last forever. And it, oftentimes, it gets cut down and burned. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth. How many times? Well, uh, in verse 7, he mentions inheriting the earth. In verse 11, he mentions inheriting the earth. In verse 22, inheriting the earth or the land. In verse 29, inheriting the land or the earth. And in verse 34, there's something about that inheriting the earth is very important because God wants to give us hope on this earth while we're here to live and have his kingdom to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God can rule right now over your property. You don't have to wait till the end of time. He can rule right now over this place, wherever you're in control and God's in control of you. And I think the meek will inherit the earth. And it, and it needs to start now, not in some distant future. It's a promise that he says. God loves the meek. He loves people who understand that the battle is the Lord's 
and not ours. Let's keep going. He says here in verse 22, for those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. Another one of those verses. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. You know, we all are going to stumble and we're going to fall. We're going to mess up. And that's the, the sign that you need to be honest with God. And Lord, I didn't do this right. And, and if you've wronged somebody, you need to tell them, I didn't do you right. It takes a lot of humility to admit you're wrong, but God works it out. And he always picks you right back up. The world... They try to hang a burden on us that's impossible. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are we guilty of anyone else's sins? And the answer is no. You're only guilty for your own sins. You're not guilty for other people's sins, which also means that we're not guilty of the past. We're not guilty of anything that went on in the past by anybody, anywhere, in any way. So why is it then that the new standard for righteousness is we must condemn everything that was wrong in the past and we must admit that we have privileges and we have this or that and that we have benefited from these things when in fact it's not our sin. God's got to be the decider of these things. I would tell you that it is an impossibility to eliminate the past. You can't eliminate it. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins and no amount of political payoffs is going to eradicate anything bad of the past. Another danger of trying to look backwards and to try to, to, to eradicate all of the so-called evils of our forefathers is that it doesn't properly weigh the people's hearts because all we see is the outward institutions. We don't see the hearts of people and only God can see that. See, God, when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in spirit and you will find rest unto your souls. He meant that. He literally said, my yoke, the collar that you put around the mule or the ox to pull the cart, he said, my yoke is hard. No, he didn't say that. He said what? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. These people today, they are speaking from the devil when they try to tell you that you are evil based upon something in your past and they will continue to put you down and put you down and they will try to blame you for all things. But all that does is put an impossible burden upon you. We have people who are today in positions of leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention who have said that we need to confess every sin of our Southern Baptist forefathers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just want to say to you that that right there would mean we'd have to eradicate the book of Philemon from the Bible because he held a slave. And the Bible says it's the word of God. And we cannot sit there and apply a standard to ourselves that God does not apply to us. Amen. God has freed us 
and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes us free. We're not free because some politician says we have to grope and kneel before some political uh, agenda. No, we are free by the blood of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we don't have the gospel and the social work. We have the gospel alone. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved because we have contributed to some cause or we have painted something on the road. We are saved by grace through faith and we are enemies to any belief system that says you must bow down to it and not to Jesus Christ. We do not need anything else. We need the gospel. And these Southern Baptist leaders who have recently said we can use these critical race theories that are saying that we can only understand the Bible if we have the perspective of other groups. That's what they're saying. We can only understand the Bible if we're of a certain sex or if we're of a certain point of view. Huh. That's kind of news to me because I, I always thought that the Bible is God's word and it's not of any private interpretation. It's not up to me. It's up to God. And that's true for every one of us. If we have to engage everybody based upon their cultural, ethnic, and physical roots, we've never come to any understanding of the Bible. But you take the Word of God, and you faithfully read it, and you hear it preached, it's amazing how unifying it is. It's amazing how you come to the truth. Today, Wickedness is prevailing because people don't know the word of God and they want to have the Bible and something else. They got to have the gospel and something else. We don't need that. We need the word of God and we need to believe the gospel because Paul said the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. And that's true today and it was true then and it has nothing to do with social justice. Nothing, nothing, nothing. There has only been one man who has been a true social justice warrior who did everything right, and that was Jesus and everybody else. We are pitiful compared to him. We'll never meet his standards, and we can't. Jesus said not one jot or one tittle would pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Well, guess who, guess who fulfilled it? Jesus. <laughs> he, he fulfilled it 100%. And he is the reason why we're going to heaven. We're not going to heaven because we signed up for some organization or because somebody uh, lit a candle. We are going to heaven because of Jesus and what he did. And that's why we don't need to fret because of evildoers. We should feel sorry for them. They're going to get cut off. But God says the meek, they're going to inherit the earth. They're going to gain. We will gain if we trust the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we live in hard times that do cause me to fret, and I have to confess to you that I've failed miserably in that department. Don't let me fret anymore. Let me stand right and do what's right and trust the gospel of Jesus Christ and not trust the opinions of men. I ask for your grace to help us today so we would learn how to live for you and be faithful to you in a very unfaithful world. And I ask 
most importantly, that you would call people to your salvation who are hungry and thirsting after righteousness, and that we would see a revival that would pass through the land because it looks like to me that the the wood is dried like kindling, ready for a fire from heaven. And I ask for you to bring that fire of renewal to the hearts of people in America and in our own community. In Jesus' name, amen.